Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast, weathering more storms, Hurricane Ida moved up to the northeast in a 1 in 500 year flooding display. NBC News meteorologist Bill Karens. This was the most rain ever recorded in one single hour in Central Park. Those records go back 156 years. What extreme weather means for our country's infrastructure. Ida's impact on the Hill with author and professor Walter Isaacson. My focus would be on getting the physical infrastructure of this country, whether it's rail, whether it's uh, levees, whether it's our airports and air traffic control, so that uh, we can survive what will be a bigger climate event. And box office bummers. Top Gun, Mission Impossible, and others delayed en route to theaters. Axios media reporter Sarah Fisher. Delta is scaring people off. You have a lot of people who are looking at cases rise, you're looking at deaths rise, and they're thinking to themselves, God, is a movie worth it, especially now that a lot of people can get these at home in the same day. Those stories, plus, we're finally going back to the doctor for normal, non-pandemic things. Kind of. Specifically, eyelash growth drugs. But but the cosmetic eyelashes? I, I mean, come on. It's Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back, you by in three, two, one, cue, please. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew's off today, but uh, Joe was a little tricky getting in this morning, right? Do you have any issues? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it had to take different roads. Major, <laughs> major uh, highways, uh, some of them are closed. Yeah. Uh, lots of trees you know, down. Yeah, lots Cars of trees everywhere. down. Trying to get to where you got lots of uh, either broken down cars or cars. Trying to figure it out because a lot of cars had been involved in accidents, and I guess they're I still there. I think others were flooded too. There were yeah. roads that flooded, roadways that flooded. That's a lot of accidents. A lot of yeah. cars facing the opposite way with with damage and no one around. So they, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, what happened last night, and then it's like. What are you going to do? You're not going to get a tow truck. so you can Well, and I think they were pretty overwhelmed. There have been so many accidents right. out there that uh, this, this was a tricky one. Um, Weather can be a, a top story, and it is, uh, which I'm not sure we were thinking about that. Uh, we thought Ida would have, have petered out more. A lot of, a lot of water left in, uh, in that system. That, uh, that it, it gives you a little bit of perspective of, of how bad things were when this is just the remnants of Ida, like right. how bad things a, must a have been when, storm, it came, yeah. when it came ashore. Um, Wind and everything, right. 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 Um, and then, you know, the, the weird effects that cause tornadoes in areas that, that normally wouldn't see tornadoes. So, to this morning's top story, what remains of Ida soaking the Northeast. NBC's Bill Karens is here. He joins us right now on the storm's path and the potential next targets. And, and Bill, when we describe this as remnants of Ida, uh, don't let that uh, have you underestimating the strength. Yeah, the rainfall was insane. I mean, this was already a billion-dollar weather disaster from what happened in Mississippi and Louisiana. And I think we may have added a couple billion more to all the damage that was done in Pennsylvania. It's still occurring near some of the rivers in New Jersey and New York City. At one point last night, we had over 11 million people in what we call a flash flood emergency. 
That means life-threatening weather. I think we lost more lives last night in the New York City area from this storm than we did at landfall in Louisiana. That's how, I mean, when you see the pictures that come out later today, I mean, the pictures are already, you know, incredible. And we had two tornadoes, one hit Annapolis, another tornado in central New Jersey. And that New Jersey tornado is, may end up being one of the strongest New Jersey tornadoes ever. And that was just outside of the Philadelphia area. So here's how it looked and here's how it played out. And the numbers are just really insane. Uh, the amount of rain that fell in a short period of time was just unprecedented. Rainfall totals, Newark Airport, eight and a half inches, New York City, over seven inches of rain with this storm. And it was widespread in eastern Pennsylvania and even hit hard last night in Connecticut and areas of Boston. So what did this all mean? This was the most rain ever recorded in one single hour in Central Park. Those records go back 156 years. So any thunderstorm you've ever seen never dumped this much rain in one hour. Newark was 3.24 inches of rain. Uh, other totals, this has ended up, ended up being a 1 in 500 year rainfall event. So to put that into perspective, going into every single year, that's 0.2% chance of occurring. So this is, you know, most of us should never see this again in our lifetimes. You know, as far as uh, the rainfall totals went, it was the fifth weather day ever in New York City history. In Newark Airport, that was the rainiest day ever in the history. And it was well forecasted. Yesterday, we had this high risk in the region, and we knew that there was a chance it could occur. Unfortunately, it happened right over the top of the highest population centers. So what are we dealing with now? The rain just ended in Boston. It's still raining hard out on Cape Cod, raining hard in Maine. We still have a lot of flash flooding from the last three hours. Everywhere in Maroon, they're telling people to stay off the roads. That includes the Mass Pike, I-95 from Providence up to Boston. Uh, Becky, you get the idea. This was a flash flood. A lot of the water will be gone by this morning in a lot of areas, but there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of you know, people that were affected in homes, in their cars. Uh, I've heard the highways are just littered around New York City with stranded vehicles. Yeah, it was a mess coming in this morning and, and, and uh, a much bigger surprise, I think, a uh, bigger storm than many of us were anticipating. We're dry. We're, we're in the NASDAQ uh, <laughs> up here. Becky, you're... Uh, We've got you're, a leak you, here. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> There's a leak. It's coming through you, the roof. You have other... You have some other properties that have pools uh, that has a pool. No pool. I, we, I have no, a pool. I don't have a pool. I, Oh, you don't have a pool. No. You have a pond. Pond and no, no. I, do, I have a pool, and I, that's Pond's what for I was. You. I was continually checking that, and I, I felt very strange this morning because I, I actually messaged my wife and said I'm proud of our pool. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but it once again uh, was, was it was very high when it started, and that's a, a major deal when because everything that's around the pool comes into the pool. Uh, obviously, this is a one percenter uh, problem, but it, it did not uh, overflow. Uh, and it, a couple of weeks ago, I was worried, too. So there has been a lot. August was really rainy uh, as well. So I guess we are saturated. So that that makes it ripe for schools canceled in a lot of places, too. Uh, we were supposed to have first day of school this morning, got the call last night at 1115 that one of the kids schools would be closed today. Got another call about an hour or so ago that one of the other schools is going to be opening late. So massive disruption first day of school. We don't get canceled, do we? Uh, what would happen? I guess well, we let's could do hope our, we don't we, get canceled. We, we're it's worth showing up, right? New data this morning on what drugs are being prescribed the most uh, right now. Meg Terrell uh, joins us with the details. Um, I'd like to have to make some guesses first, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make them. I, I, it's interesting, though. It's Lipitor, what, what, uh, what's, what's prescribed the most? You couldn't resist, Joe. 
So we have new data from GoodRx exclusively provided to us uh, this morning. Looking back at the trends through the pandemic of which drugs are being used the most and what the trends look like. And overall, you can actually start to get a picture of when people started to get comfortable going back to the doctor's office for routine visits. There's this category called low refill drugs. Those are drugs, prescriptions where you have to go back to the doctor in order for them to write you a refill. And you can see they plunged in 2020, started to recover toward the end, and then in 2021 really started to come back in February as vaccines started rolling out more broadly. Now into the specific categories, Joe. Beauty and lifestyle drugs are getting a really, really big boost as people are starting to emerge from their homes and go back out into the world, specifically eyelash growth drugs. There are prescription drugs for this. Uh, specifically, the brand name is called Latisse. There are also generics available here. In the prescription fill rate, you just see this massive bump uh, in the spring of 2021. The number is still really high. We talked to an esthetician about this, and she said one reason is that people are wearing masks, so all you can see is their eyes, and they want to enhance their eyelashes. Uh, you're also seeing bumps in acne medicines and weight loss drugs as people are kind of coming out of, um, of their homes and interacting with society more. Uh, on a less upbeat note, um, there is also an increase in use of antidepressants. You're seeing about an 8% bump in sertraline or Zoloft prescriptions in 2021. We talked with the president of the American Psychiatric Association about that. No surprise there. We know the mental health toll the pandemic has taken. And she said in particular, the financial stresses of the pandemic really contributing to that trend. Guys. I can't believe that. Co cosmetic. Humira, uh, Humira, whatever, that's, that's a really big one, too. It, it treats a lot of different, uh, I guess, anti-autoimmune uh, uh, diseases. That, that's a big one. But, but the cosmetic, eyelashes, I, I mean, come on, Meg. That is, like, that is. Uh, <laughs> so these are, these are relative moves, Joe. It's not like the overall most prescriptions. It's the one that, should, that saw the biggest right. trend moves. But I should talk because, you know, the only thing, I'm pretty lucky. The only thing I take, Propecia. You know that, right? You know what that does? Hairline. It makes your hair nice? No, it just keeps you oh, from I losing. Oh, I thought that was a wig. Yeah, I know you did, but it's not. That's because it looks so good. So beautiful. Still to come on our podcast, how Hurricane Ida is hitting Capitol Hill. The storm's implications for the infrastructure deal in Washington with author, professor, and NOLA resident, Walter Isaacson. Whether it's infrastructure uh, projects like power lines or levees, there's not in my backyard this fighting, uh, using uh, all sorts of legal maneuvers to fight upgrades of infrastructure. It's something that's held this country back. We'll be right back. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC, today with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. Here's Becky. In Washington news, Hurricane Ida's destruction raising the pressure on Congress to pass an infrastructure bill. Elon Mui joins us right now with the full story on that. Good morning, Elon. Good morning, Becky. Well, President Biden had pointed to New Orleans as the poster child for the need for infrastructure investment even before Hurricane Ida hit. Since then, residents were told they had to boil their water. More than 840,000 people were still without electricity as of last night. And officials said it could take weeks to turn all the lights back on. So that is ramping up the pressure on local lawmakers to pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill, 
which could send billions of dollars to the Big Easy and across the Gulf Coast. Now, there's $17 billion for the Army Corps of Engineers' priority projects, including $2.6 billion that's targeted at states like Louisiana that repeatedly get hit by hurricanes. A $12.5 billion federal fund is dedicated to improving the reliability of transmission lines, as over 1,600 miles were still out of service in Louisiana and Mississippi yesterday. Now, the lone Democrat in Louisiana's congressional delegation, Congressman Troy Carter, he wants to use the infrastructure bill to rebuild the power grid the same way the state rebuilt the levee system after Hurricane Katrina. GOP Senator Bill Cassidy has also been urging his Republican colleagues to support this bill in the aftermath of Ida. But most of Louisiana's congressional delegation has opposed it, at least up till now. Now, President Biden will visit the state tomorrow to view the damage himself. And so, guys, we will see if he's able or if the hurricane is able able to change any minds in the process. Back to you, Becky. Elon, thank you. For more on how President Biden's infrastructure plan could help cities like New Orleans in the face of natural disasters, let's bring in Walter Isaacson. He's a resident of New Orleans, where he's a history professor at Tulane University. He's also a CNBC contributor. He wears a lot of other hats, too. Um, Walter, it's great to see you this morning. Great to be with you, Becky. So let, let's just start with what Elon was talking about. What do you think about where infrastructure stands? You know, there's been a lot of overdramatization of what happened in this storm. Uh, in New Orleans, the levees hold, held. That was the great federal infrastructure project after 1,800 people got killed in Katrina. Here, you didn't have anybody killed by raging floodwaters. I think there was one auto uh, death in New Orleans for this whole thing. Why? Because there was no flooding. The federal levees uh, held. Likewise, uh, there hasn't been much property damage. I know it looks bad on TV, but in the city itself, uh, electricity is now coming back on. And I think that what was just talked about is right, that you have to protect the electricity grid. That's the next infrastructure project we have. And that's not just for hurricanes. That's when those storms hit the Northeast. That's when you have major snowstorms. We have a fragile electricity grid. I've been traveling around looking at Tesla Energy for something I'm doing on Elon Musk. And I'm looking at how these power-packed walls and decentralized electricity grids are coming online. Those are the type of things I think we're going to need in the future. Hey, hey Walter, to, to take on big infrastructure projects like that, it, it's no joke because even the, the regulatory permits for, for electric companies that are trying to do some of these changes, it's not easy. If you're trying to build um, lines that, that can take power generated in one area and get it to another place. Uh, it takes years and years to get just the approvals for some of those things. Do you, you think that yeah, that no, might that's be... A, that's a really big problem. And it's something the government's just going to have to wake up and do. You see it in California where there's a lot of regulation. And certainly, whether it's infrastructure uh, projects like power lines or levees or anything, better airports, better roads, there's not in my backyard this fighting, uh, using all sorts of legal maneuvers to fight upgrades of infrastructure is something that's held this country back. In terms of what you found, traveling around the country, looking at our potential to be able to, to, to come up with these power charging stations for electric vehicles, I mean, we, we've set some pretty ambitious standards for how many electric vehicles will be sold in this country. You think there's a chance that we can build up the infrastructure in time to actually charge all those vehicles? Oh, yeah. You see charging stations now all over as, uh, you know, Teslas have become the most popular car being bought these days. More importantly, I was uh, down in Texas installing solar roof panels, just things that look just like a solar roof tile connected to a Tesla battery pack on the side of a wall. 
I think these type of things will give a decentralization to the electric grid, a resilience to it, and these will be the wave of the future. And these aren't things that are expensive. These are not huge projects that are billions of dollars. These are things that pay off. Hey, uh, Walter, the, this is giving grist to a, a whole uh, different uh, kind of discussion. And uh, uh, just for lack of, of a better way to describe it, I'll talk about the Wall Street Journal's opinion pages and, and how they view uh, infrastructure versus how uh, maybe the, the far left views human infrastructure. So now they, Henninger wrote today talking about why Ida wasn't Katrina and exactly what you said, $14 billion worth of levies and but no they didn't harden the power grid enough and that's where the problem is now. But highlighting that maybe that's the type of it, that's why we talk about physical infrastructure and, and why you know, the, the right distinguishes it from human infrastructure because that's what it would be spent. And then even further, the journal the other day had ended an editorial saying we can't stop the rising tides but we can toughen up uh, our, our response to what happens during catastrophic uh, catastrophic events, and that was saying all this money that, that California spent on fossil fuel minimization and carbon, uh, but they didn't clean up their forest management, they didn't harden the power grid, they didn't bury the power lines. So all these things are happening that we could deal with, and we've got Green New Deal, pie in the sky type ideas that, you know, who knows whether they pay off in 50 years or 100 years or not. Well, the one thing we can say paid off was the investment in the levees after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, I, rode, I walk on those levees. I live right near those levees. Uh, they didn't even get over top this time in a powerful Category 4 storm that came right up uh, in the worst ways, just to the west of New Orleans. So I do think you're right. Number one, focus on things that are hard infrastructure, physical projects, which means a good electricity grid, perhaps a decentralized electricity grid. The levees like were built in New Orleans that protected us against a Category 4 storm. So you didn't see that flooding that you had after Katrina. Nobody was sort of hit by walls of water. Uh, yeah, I'm going to let California figure out what it wants to do on a variety of things. But when you're talking about Louisiana, just give us good levees, a good power grid, and, uh, well, you know, the airport, which is new in New Orleans. Well, don't, that's avoid a good piece my, of don't avoid my point, Walter. Do you, are you for three and a half trillion for human infrastructure? And, and if we don't get the physical infrastructure deal done, I mean, does that make I'm sense? For, no, I'm in favor of the physical infrastructure deal coming first. And that's my focus. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Unlike some people on cable TV, I'm not absolutely clear what's in all that human infrastructure thing. But my focus would be on getting the physical infrastructure of this country, whether it's rail, whether it's uh, levees, whether it's our airports and air traffic control, so that uh, we can survive what will be uh, bigger climate events. Well, you might, you know, people are going to throw stuff at you at the Aspen Institute if you're not, uh, you know. I He's not there anymore. <laughs> hey, at Tulane, it's a nice, wonderful, you know, all the kids at Tulane, and you know them. They're your yeah. friends. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're sweet. They call me there. professor. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's amazing. That's, you won't that get that it. here. No. You won't get no, that here. No, I don't get it from Joe ever. <laughs> now, yes, I've talked about your book. I think you're a, like a, a giant. You're iconic. 
You are iconic. You are. I, I can't believe you. I wish you I knew really... what that word meant, but I assume you don't mean it as an insult. You don't no, have no, a ghostwriter. Those books are like that. Do you write those? I mean, he does. He writes them. He researches. He does the work himself. If I live I've down been where you live. wandering around doing my new book on all sorts of uh, the great uh, new innovations that are coming out of cars and rocket ships and solar roofs. You ever watch? You ever watched streaming Netflix or you don't have time for any? I, I can't imagine. I have, my wife working. is so helpful to me. She watches Netflix all the time. And gives, me what, what what gives him the cliff notes. Hey, she gives you cliff notes. Walter, we're going to have you back because your last book, your most recent book, is one I want to talk to you about, too. Just the mRNA, you've studied this so much. You were in one of the early uh, studies for this. We'll have you back to talk about what you see happening just with breakthrough cases, what we can expect next. But we'll talk okay, to you soon Okay, but let that. me just say real quick, these mRNA vaccines are just a miracle. It shows what we can do with some government investment, and they can be tweaked for each new variant. And just, I just got my third shot. You know, we are now going to beat back viruses because of this messenger RNA-type technology that says every time a new virus comes along, we'll look at their genetic code, we'll make something that goes right at it, and we'll make new types of treatment so that we can just kill the virus in our system. This is a game-changer, and it's exactly what we need after this pandemic. Yeah, and it's a ray of sunshine this morning, too, to think about that. Walter, thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon. Cheese will be next. Up next on Squawk Pod, Top Gun, Mission Impossible, Ted Lasso. What's your viewing pleasure? Big screens and homemade popcorn. Movie delays, watch list recommendations, and box office drama right after this. This is Squawk Pod. Welcome back. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan along with uh, Becky Quick. Andrew is off today. Shares of AMC theaters uh, taking a hit yesterday after recent announcements uh, from studios of box office delays. At least six major movies are now delayed to 2022, including Tom Cruise's next two uh, films, Top Gun, Maverick, uh, and Mission Impossible 7. Join us now as Sarah Fisher, Axios uh, media reporter. Uh, we got important things to talk about, Sarah, um, but I just couldn't help thinking that Tom Cruise insisted on Val Kilmer being in this remake, and I'm just wondering how how do you do that? Uh, how do, do you you know what I'm saying? I mean, how does that how does that work? I mean, we all get old, obviously, but uh, he's had some tough tough times. But I don't see how Val can be. You know what? Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the real subject here. But uh, God bless him for doing it. He, he insisted that, uh, that Val be in it. And I think that's nice, right? Yeah, I mean, the talent has a lot of leverage right now when it comes to movies. So if that's what he's going to demand, it doesn't shock me that the studio is going to go with it. What's harder right now? Uh, to, what's causing this? That people can't go to theaters, you can't make the movies. I think we're making uh, the content is being produced, right? The comments being produced, there were some production delays, but think about this, Joe, like a jigsaw puzzle. So one of the reasons you can imagine you're going to move Top Gun into that Memorial Day slot is because you might want to move that Memorial Day movie into another slot in 2022. So there's a little bit of that going on. But I think ultimately the big picture here is that Delta is scaring people off. You have a lot of people who are looking at cases rise, you're looking at deaths rise, and they're thinking to themselves, God, is a movie worth it? especially now that a lot of people can get these at home in the same day. The, uh, what can you tell me about just the streamers that have so much 
I mean, we're talking movies, but just streamers that have so much on the line in terms of trying to distinguish themselves in this crowded field. We know there's going to be uh, winners and losers. And content, you know, when what happened, Dr. Death, suddenly everybody had to get Peacock to watch Dr. Death. I mean, it matters if you have a hook, if you have something. And are they being made right now or, or is production being disrupted with Delta? No, they're still being made. There's a lot of precautions taking place. I know, at least for me, as a reporter who's working with studios, you know, HBO, we have a show with them. You have to be vaccinated, for example. You have to take all the COVID productions, uh, precautions. So they're being made, maybe a little bit slower. The thing that you said, Joe, is huge, which is what are the streamers going to do? And for me, I think they see every single movie release as a stress test on the box office, which will determine whether or not they can put more things to streaming whether or not they should. The studio I'm watching right now that really is looking at every data point is Disney. You know, they've got a big Labor Day hit coming up with Marvel's new Shang-Chi, and that's expected to break records, show, which is unbelievable. The Labor Day weekend's usually not that great. But if they think that they're going to be able to do well in the theater, they might not hold as many things on Disney+. Plus. So for the streamers right now, they're looking at the theatrical releases and they're saying, all right, what does this mean for our streaming? What does this mean for our profits? And if they think, Joe, that they're going to make more money, especially long term, by the way, once you put things in a hybrid release, your second week in the box office typically goes down. So if they think they're going to make more money not putting things on streaming right now, they might take that chance. You got uh, somehow we're already out of time with, with what we're doing. We can have you back. But you got any suggestions again? I mean, you know, I'm going to ask you that. I, I tried to watch the new Steve Martin, Martin short thing. I don't know. I, I, I got I could, couldn't get through the second episode. Have you watched it? Uh, I haven't watched it. I got to say very impressed by Ted Lasso season two. I think it's a huge hit for Apple TV plus, And I'm excited to see where that goes for them moving forward. Uh, the, what, what did you say? Morning show, too? Did you say what? Is that what Ted you said? Season two. Oh, okay, okay. I missed that. I know Morning Show is coming back, and I, I, Martin Short was in that too, which was weird. All right, which was a weird casting for him. He played like Harvey Weinstein. Um, all right, very good. Thank you, uh, thank you, Sarah. I, you know, big screens and homemade popcorn. That's the theater's got a lot against them. I'm pulling for them because it is, uh, you know, it is uh, like a date, and it's fun to do that. But it seems like a lot of headwinds back. I'm. With Sarah, Ted Lasso is the best thing on TV. I cannot wait for the next episode. It, it, it was. Yeah. It, it, you can base some of your life choices on the way he, he reacted exactly. to situations, I think. Exactly. It's really good. You're right. Hey, Beck, were you, but, did you get Walter's uh, email? He's, he's I've awesome. I've been kind of busy. No, I haven't seen what he said. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he just would like everyone to know that he gives Trump immense credit for Operation Warp Speed. <laughs> on the cover of Time, he was extolling the virtues of patents for big drug companies and what Pfizer and Moderna and BioNTech have accomplished. Uh, and he goes on and on. And it, it's, he's funny, though. He does. But I told him, what, haven't you seen Cable? Doesn't he know that there's foil? Hasn't he seen this show? Doesn't he know yeah. you're going to back him into a corner and make him a straw man? <laughs> straw man. <laughs> Caricatures that allow me thank to... Thank you for it's writing all... in, Walter. And thank you, Joe, for actually reading his, his thoughts on this. I it do. Works. I'm letting people know that he, in fact, he, he says here he is not a Marxist. <laughs> <laughs> That's the show for today. Thank you for listening, as always. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow.
We are clear. Thanks, guys.